warning! The Bone Bad Joe is intended for adults only and contains bad words and other yucky stuff that may make some people very angry. So watch out! Crom, I have never prayed to you before. I have no tongue for it. No one, not even you, will remember if we were good podcasters or bad. Why we recorded or why we voicemailed. All that matters is Metal Mikey stood against many. That's what's important. Valor pleases you, Crom. So grant me one request. Grant me action attraction. And if you do not listen, let to hell with you. Action Attraction, the action movie review podcast. You can find Action Attraction through MetalMikey.Lipson.com or at www.pennycult.com or by searching for Action Attraction in iTunes. The Bone Bat Podcast, where you can listen to Steve and Gord. It's a kick-ass digital broadcast where we've got dick jokes galore. Bone Bat. Romulan ale. Why, bones, you know this is illegal. I only use it for medicinal purposes. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the fabulous episode 39 of the Bone Bat Show. This is Steve. And this is Gord. How you doing, man? I'm doing all right. How about yourself? I am fucking just rocking to the sounds of Warp 11, the Star Trek band from Sacramento, California. That's Um, right. We're right now, we're checking out the tune, I Don't Want to Go to Heaven As Long As There Are Vulcans in Hell, the title song off of their new album. Now, this is a band that, that I suggested a while back. We were just brainstorming for ideas for bands because I saw them. Yeah. And not only were they really fun and funny, they absolutely rocked. 
they 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 did a serious rock and roll show. They they brought it. And you know, how many bands do you see out there that are rocking this hard and singing about Star Trek and not afraid to say naughty naughty words? Yeah, you do not see that every day. So. No, they're the only band I've ever heard that sings Work Me, Jerk Me, Captain Kirk. <laughs> Very cool. So, yeah, we'll actually be uh, joining them for an interview later on in the show. But first, why don't we just get right down to brass tacks? I think it's been a tough couple of weeks, and frankly, we're pissed. Yeah, I, I am. I, I'm I'm so pissed off. I don't even, I'm having trouble thinking about the number of things that piss me off. I'm, well, you know I'm what? So Let's hear the wrath of Kalk. The Wrath of Kong. All right, you know, first of all, first of all, I got a credit card a while back from an airline, and I, I don't want to, you know, get sued, so I'm not going to say the inter- name of the airline. It, it rhymes with U.S. hair. And the, the whole deal behind the credit card is, hey, you apply for a credit card. You get enough uh, frequent flyer miles to get a free round trip. Oh, yeah, okay, cool. So I did it, and I got the, the frequent flyer miles. What they don't tell you is there's no actual way to use these miles for a round trip to go anywhere you want to go at any time you want to do it. You, you just you call them call them up and they're they're totally befuddled that you're trying to use your miles. Like wait, you want to what? Fly on one of our airplanes? It would be easier to trade livestock for a flight to, <laughs> than to actually use these miles. It's like a multi-tiered thing, and they only sell like half a seat on a plane or something, and it just. It, the more I try to do it, the more pissed off. For I three got. days in September, you can fly to Des Moines or St. Paul. Yeah, but you can't <laughs> come back. And it's like I'm trying to use these things like two months out. It's not like I'm trying to go next Thursday, and I'm going in the middle of the week, and I got an overnight stay. And you know, no, no, you cannot. It's just you have to have like eighty gazillion miles to make them even functional. That's in the bull- least. That's some bullshit right there. Yeah. You know yeah, what pisses me off? What? So we just got done watching a weekend of good football, right? Yeah. A couple of great there games. A, there was a couple of great games. Why the fuck do we have to wait two weeks for the Super Bowl? This is like like you go to a bar and you meet a, a really beautiful woman. You have a few drinks. You're having a great time. You're dancing. You're drinking. You go back to happens. her place. You know, things are getting hot and heavy. She goes in the bathroom for two weeks. <laughs> That's what it's fucking like. Where's the money shot? I want football now. I don't want to wait for two weeks for fucking football. You're getting a bad case of football blue balls. Uh, I tell you. And football, football is an odd thing as it is. I mean, you've you've been to an NFL game or two, haven't you? Oh, yeah, sure. So we have regular season tickets for the Seahawks, which another deal. I talked about last episode. Don't want to get into it. But we're sitting in our regular seats, and there's a guy like six rows in front of us who every time he stands up, every time Seahawks get a first down, he stands up and he like does the cabbage patch with his group. Tradition they have. Then he bends over and the guy's pants fall down regularly down his ass. And you see like a good 6 to 12 inches of crack. Nice. Every time there's a first down. And, you know, most of the time you can kind of, you know, know what you're about and avoid it. But every once in a while it'll just catch you and you'll see like this guy's ass. And it's this fat guy. And, you know... It's one thing to have pants that don't fit right, but do I have to see the back of his knees as well? <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, that's that's ugly. And then another thing about the games is, is like last game, there's a couple of people sitting behind me, and they're just swearing up a blue streak. And there's these two little kids that are sitting in front of me. Now, normally, I'm not going to try to. I mean, you've heard this show. 
I'm not going to be trying to, you know, the wall world's hall monitor or anything. But these little kids are right here. And so the guy's like, oh, fuck you, Rafa. So I turn around. I'm like, hey, dude, hold it down. There's these little kids right here. And the guy's like, well, I, I it, you know, it's a game. I, I, I. I'm like, yeah, but there's little kids right here. They're not even my kids. I normally wouldn't care. But, you know, it's not cool. Just tone it down. Have a good time. Nobody's saying not to. But fucking, you know, what's that about? Is there a level where, where do you say to somebody that you're assing out? Yeah, that is the question. I mean, like no one, no reasonable human being would take their child to a Raiders game because just the level of profane, inappropriate behavior is such a, such a high level. It's it's just not a family friendly environment. And it it sucks when things go that way. Because, you know, even if it's not my kids, I'm like, like, geez, come on, there's, there's kids here. Right. People have no, no self-control. You know, People have no self-control. And that, you know what pisses me off? What's that? People who, when you're on Xbox Live and you're playing a game and you're with a group of people you don't know, every once in a while you get some little dickhole that feels that it's his forum to start rapping and singing. I mean, what is that about? Does that happen to you? <laughs> I kind of do that. <laughs> oh, next time you get the urge to Dad, do that, I want I you sing. to grab your tongue and your uvula and tie them together because that's some fucking bullshit you've done that shit during graveyard shift before too no 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 i don't when the game starts just like launch into this rap that i've clearly been writing for the last week oh about. like that no i mean i'm talking about like when it pertains to the song like when you shoot somebody in the head and you go hey man nice shot or something yeah but yeah I, hey man yeah. Or, or you know i heard it through the carbine yeah, little <laughs> snippets is fine, but it's not tryout for America's next top douchebag when you start playing a game. I don't want to hear you. Yeah. I don't want to hear your little rap and soldier boy. And those people, yeah, that's right. I said those people. There, There is no way you can shut them up. If you, if you try to say, hey, man, I don't want to hear you, stop rapping, then, then it's, you always get the, I do whatever I want. It's a free country. Oh. Can't you block them? Yeah, but you gotta wait till the, if you're having a good match, you, you gotta wait till it's over to you know get back in a little menu and block him and then. Uh, all right. Yeah. I, yeah. So I usually man, don't that, play. That with... doesn't mean they they piss me off any less. The fact that I can block them, they piss me off. I hate that. Yeah, you you play in public way more than I do. So. Yeah, I do. And there's a reason that uh, I don't do it more. It's because I hate other people. So you know you know what else pisses me off? What's that? I I recently. Well, what pisses me off is my car died, and so I had to buy a new car. And the whole the whole car buying experience is really different from dealer to dealer. And I went to this one dealer, and it was it was just completely inexplicable horseshit. You see, you, you say that that it's different from dealer to dealer, but what it all has in common is that it sucks. I've never no. had a, a car buying experience where it was like fun. It was always no, a pulling teeth, I, pain in the ass, trail of tears deal where you had to pretend to leave three times while some jerk off goes back to his office and circles a price and then highlights it <laughs> and then rewrites it in red. Fuck that shit. Buying a car is bullshit. No, see, I, the thing that was bullshit is I started with people like that. Then I ended up with other people. Um, by the way, if you're going to buy a Toyota, I suggest you go down to the Toyota dealer in Fairfield. I think it's called Fairfield Dealer. They're very cool. They're very Excuse straightforward. Excuse me, who the fuck are you pimping? I'm pimping the people that sold me my Toyota. Are you pimping an automobile dealership and I'm not getting paid? It's, they should pay us. Fuck. If you're listening to the show, pay us. <laughs> so 
but the guy, local guys were exactly like what you're talking about. I came in with a quote from my bank that they, they set up, and I'm like, hey, this is the, the what you quoted my bank to buy this car. I'd like to check it out. Car, we don't have a – what do you – no, we would never. They don't have the car. They say even if they did have the car, they wouldn't honor the price. And I can't get that car, but I could get next year's model when it comes in, and, and it's, it's about eight to $10,000 more. And so I'm like, okay, I'm not buying a new car from you. Got anything used? No, we don't have any used cars. What about this one you're advertising on your website? Oh, oh, that. Yeah, yeah. It was just, it was absolutely, it was totally horseshit. And it pissed me off. They, what are they trying to do? I'm not going to buy a car from someone like that. I went to the people I walked in. They treated me like a human, gave me a good price, and I, I bought the car. But the thing is, thank you very much, Patriot Act. If you buy a car now, you have to get, like, totally investigated. you got to give them all your stuff, all your top-secret private information so they make sure that, I don't know what, you're not going to buy this car and and detonate it or something? Was there a, se- I didn't, what? Was there a 72-hour cooling-off period or anything? <laughs> no, but I did have to have a body cavity search. I think that <laughs> – do they do that for everyone or I, – I don't know. I hadn't heard that. No, but like I, I went to pay cash for the car, so I, I didn't have to finance it. I didn't have to worry about monthly payment or anything like that. I was just going to write a check. But still, they give you the full-on credit check, credit report, fill in all your detail stuff, and they told me. They're like flat out. Yeah, this has nothing to do with financing you because we're not doing it, but we have to do this. The feds make us get all your little private details. It's bullshit. They don't need to know that. I'm buying a car. Here's my money. Give me that thing. That's all they need to know. So, so they're investigating you, but they can't find out when a motherfucker's got a bomb in his shoe on an airplane. Yeah, they can't. They can't find a guy with a you know incendiary device under his nutsack. But that, that's unbelievable. What did, the did, suburban did, Dick in Davis? Yeah, watch that guy. Cause... Did Did you hear that that the Christmas bombing guy that uh, Osama bin Laden came out of the woodwork somewhere and it, like claimed that bombing attempt? Yeah, that guy. How the fuck is he still in circulation? I don't know. Wasn't he supposed to be like a... I thought that, you know, you can kill basically anybody in the world at any time. There's nobody who can't be killed. How is he still around? I think he's hiding at Dick Cheney's house. That blows my mind that, that, that they haven't got him yet. What the fuck? How many years does that take? If I yeah, took that long to do a job... Yeah, if, have I even held a job that long? <laughs> of course, I, I think I did take that long to retile my bathroom, but still, <laughs> unbelievable. Is it a bathroom of mass destruction? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, so pisses me off. And so part of the part of the thing that's cool though about buying this this car because the last car I got was you know thirteen fourteen years ago is it's got a little place that you can plug your your iPod in and. When it comes to leaving CDs all over the car, I'm the worst person in the world. You can't get in a car that I've been driving because the car is completely filled to the ceiling with CDs. So I bought, I actually bought a little iPod. I was going to put all my music on the iPod, but that turned into, it's kind of a clusterfuck of an experience because at Best Buy, where I have my coupon, they keep the iPods like behind 17 layers of bulletproof glass and you got to hunt down someone to help you and there's no way to see what it is or what it includes. I, I finally go, okay, I want to buy an iPod, but I don't even know what's in the box. Does it come with anything? A charger? Headphones? What? And the guy's like, uh, yeah, it comes with headphones, but no charger. I go, okay, that's lame. Buy a charger. I get it home. 
yeah, it has a USB cable that acts as the charger. But there's there's no way to know that. You can't like pick it up and look at it. You you gotta you gotta trust some minimum wage slave that is trying to sell you the extended service warranty on your iPod. Yeah, that, that that's something that pisses me off too. Was that uh, I bought? Remember, I was telling you I, I ran over my Bluetooth headset and I had to buy a new one. Oh yeah. Last couple I'd gotten had been rechargeable USB, and so I get and you can't really see in the package what the power source is for the the headset. And I get it home, and it's yet again one of these another a bullshit proprietary little jack fucking jack <laughs> that doesn't go to anything else. And that had been the one thing was like I could use the one Motorola charger for both my cell phone and my uh, Bluetooth, so I didn't have to you know carry another thing around in my bag all the time. You know, in Europe they're standardizing it, so it's going to be like one charger fits all cell phones. Yeah, that's the way it should fucking that's, be. And, and Bluetooth you know headsets. Why don't we well. do something like that? Like, well, we never will. We can't even switch the metric system. You know what pisses me off? Why don't we use the metric system? Americans are supposed to be the smartest, bestest, super duperest people in the world, and the metric system is based on nothing more complicated than a kid holding out both hands and counting his fingers. It's based <laughs> on ten. It's it's essentially this many. That's all the metric system is. We can't get our heads around this many. How many mile? How many feet are in a mile? How many? How many yards are in a hectare? I have no earthly idea, but I can tell you without thinking how many centimeters are in a meter. Like, it's, why can't we do this many? It's it's this many followed by some zeros or with some zeros in front of it. It's ten. MC, Come on, metric system, people. MC Lars, motherfucker. He called That's it. Right. Now, you know, actually, did you read the book Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell? No, it required thought. It's a book that kind of talks about, like, different ways that that people have become exceptional. And it kind of talked a little bit about the advantage that Chinese students have over over American students with regards to their mathematical system is based on tens. And so is ours. Well, but uh, the, the way that they group it, it's like, you know, for us, 17 is like, you know, that's three three syllables. And so we have to think of it differently than they, the way they think, the way that their numbers, I guess, I may not be explaining it right, but they stack their numbers in a different way than we do so that it's easier quickly to grasp. Huh. And like, so they can remember more decimal points than we can because we're thinking of, you know, sevens and things that are multiple decimals that take longer. And everything, all of their numbers are like one decimal. Or not decimal. Um, oh, what is that? Syllable. Syllable. Yeah. So everything's one syllable, so it's quicker to grasp. So, so, is that so, why so no, people are better at that, math. That's what they're talking about. Yeah, that the Asian con- the Asian countries have an advantage in math that has come out in like you know school just standard school testing because of their number system is easier to grasp than ours is. Yeah. Well, you know what? I would like them to come out with an advantage in, and that's if they're going to make everything, if they're going to manufacture everything in the world. I would like them to start doing a better goddamn job because I have some steak knives that I got years ago. I got them as a wedding present, and they were good steak knives. They were made in Japan. I still have them. They're still sharp. They're awesome. And we recently got more steak knives, same company, same model, same everything, except now they're made in China. And the fit, I mean, they look the same at first until you look at them closely. The fit and finish isn't right. Everyone is slightly different. The One of them's already starting to get rust on it. It's just, they, they went from making a good product to making a cheap product. And that's because they're doing it in China. And I try not to buy things made in China, and I'm being thwarted now because 
like when we went to buy silverware to stick with this motif, on the silverware box that we're getting, it says, this product is made in one of the following countries. And then it lists like 16 different countries. And one, one of which them is, is China. China. Yeah. Well, one of which is Mexico. If it's being Mexico, I'd buy it. They're my neighbor. That's cool. But I don't want to buy it. I want the option to go, yeah, no China. But like hiding it next to like France and Andorra and all these other ones, that's bullshit. Come on. Where was this made? And by the way, it must have been made in China because it's supposed to be stainless and it's rusty. Oh, shit. Already? Really? Yeah. So, you know what? That's great. I'm glad y'all can do your math. Let's work on making better shit. Because you're pissing me off. So, speaking of pissing me off, you know, the Academy Awards have pissed me off for a long time. Ever you since, actually pay attention to that? Yeah. Ever since Goodfellas got beat by Dances with Wolves, I knew that fucking thing was a fraud. But yeah, now I mean, it's obviously a fraud. It's to, you, I'm, I'm aghast that you even pay attention to something but that's so. This year, it's like an infomercial. This year, though, instead of five best movie can't nominees, there's going to be ten. So it's like every fucking movie that comes out, pretty much, will be nominated for best picture. I mean, this this is the same thing as like every kid in the class getting a trophy. What the fuck? <laughs> When everyone is special, no one is special. Exactly. So I think yeah. that's utter horseshit. Okay, well, maybe this year you can finally grow a pair and stop watching it. Or uh, next podcast, you're going to complain about some of the gowns on the red carpet. Well, you know, it's funny because I actually last week watched a movie that was nominated last year for an Acad- for several Academy Awards. The Strange Case of Benjamin Button. Never yeah. saw it. Never it had pisses me off that a director like David Fincher, who's known for The Game, Seven... Uh, Alien 3 and Fight Club would make this fucking horrible Hollywood piece of pat bullshit. Oh my god, it was excruciating to watch. And the whole thing is like three hours of Brad Pitt and various CGI garb reminding you that you're gonna die. But not only are you gonna die, I'm gonna bore the piss out of you for the next three hours. So it's like adding insult to injury. It fucking sucked. I'm totally pissed. I want my three hours of my life back. Yeah, you're never going to get that three hours back. I want it. Anything else piss you off? Or you, okay? you know what I'm pissed off about? The new iPad. <laughs> I mean, because I did a cartoon in 2005. It's copyrighted. Look it up, baby. iPad. I did it. And now, for the, they come out with the name, fine. They call it that. But then everyone in the world is coming up with that joke thinking it's original. Uh, tampon, um, iPod, hybrid joke. Because I did the cartoon, a few months later, Mad TV came out and did a skit about it, and, and yeah, I'm sure they they ripped off my cartoon. Not you've always been ahead of the curve when it comes uh, to yeah. feminine hygiene humor. That's right. That's why I ripped off Mad Magazine years later <laughs> with point. See, and, r- yeah. Right there, ripped from the headlines. That press conference was fucking today, people. That's why you listen to the Bone Bat Show. <laughs> That's right. We're pissed of off from today. This isn't old. What pisses us off. This is fresh pisses us off from today's headlines. Ah, Speaking of which, the State of the Union address just happened tonight. Obama's talking to the Senate, the House, all the people. And you know what pisses me off about that? Why do you have to spend an hour and 15 minutes listening to a half-hour speech? It's such fucking bullshit. Every time he says something, half of the audience will stand up and clap, while the the other half of the audience stands there with their armed crossed, looking like a fucking asshole. Then he says something else, and they all switch sides. If you just saved your applause for the end, the whole State of the Union would go so much fucking faster. 
Maybe you should do that next time. Just go and save all your applause to the end. And anyone that starts clapping, he just has them thrown out. Right. And I mean, the funny thing is, like, everybody in the room looks like, you know, the two fucking guys in the balcony, Waldorf and what's his name from The Muppet Show. Stadler. Yeah, Stadler and Waldorf. They all look like just old fucking grumpy men anyway. So I don't know. The whole thing pisses me. Go. Yeah. No, I, I think I'm I, I think I'm I'm pissed out. Are you? Well, I, I got yeah. a couple more things. One, misattribution yeah. of quotes. Well, last night on Twitter I was uh, poking around and somebody comes up with a quote uh, and they attribute it to David Sedaris and it's if you're looking for sympathy, you'll find it in the dictionary between shit and syphilis. And I think to myself, David Sedaris, he's only been around for, what, 15 years that he's been writing? And I yeah. heard that from Gord's dad at the very at the very latest early 80s. There's no way that fucking quote is from David Sedaris that he wrote. No, and, and my dad got it from his drill sergeant. But I, I'm not really blaming Sedaris because, you know, he, he it was in the book Barrel Fever. He did write it in there. But, you know, in no way does that necessarily mean he invented that phrase. And, yeah, you know, I don't even know who to right blame. People. But, yeah, if you go on Wikipedia and different sources, you know, it's attributing Sedaris. It's not his fucking quote. No, it should be attributed to Gord's dad's drill sergeant. Yeah, there's, well, I don't, don't even know Wikipedia. that. It's probably, you know, that could be like an old cat skills joke. It could be anything. Because there, there are plenty of jokes, you know, in joke books that are just kind of, you know, for the ages. Yeah. You, know, no you don't take credit for it that you wrote them. I don't think we've taken credit for well, except for a bunch of the dick jokes. We haven't taken a lot of the, <laughs> a lot of the credit for a lot of the jokes in like our filthy joke of the week. That's right, but you know what? Uh, I I did come up with the my vagina is so big jokes. That, that's original. <laughs> you did, and I came up with a lot Wait of the, the dick jokes. I, I can do that on occasion. Okay, I've got one last thing that pisses me off. So you remember way back in episode five, bitter about the butter. We, oh, had yeah. a, we had a discussion about how it kind of pissed me off that my wife insists, my lovely, beautiful wife, Ska Mama Julie, insists upon putting a plate of butter. She leaves it out on the counter all the time, ostensibly to, so it'll get warm so it's easier to spread. But She doesn't store it in the refrigerator. Exactly, right? and I've kind of made a complaint that it's a dairy product, bacteria in the kitchen that makes things like our bread mold. It's not a good place. It's not a good practice to do. So, uh, you know, we, we talked about this in a couple episodes. She came on and addressed it. We talked about the butter thing. So it's known. It's like the battle of the leg lamp in Christmas Story, right? It's That's well right. known in the family that it's a contentious thing. So a couple of weeks ago, my wife comes home with an actual fucking implement for storing the butter on the counter. It is a little <laughs> crock, a ceramic crock that says, like, beer on the side. And... Inside of the crock, the lid has like a downward hanging bell. And so what you're supposed to do is you fill the bell part full of butter, you fill the crock full of water, and then you put it down and the water seals the butter from getting any bacteria. And so I say to her, so so let me get this straight. You're keeping your butter in a ceramic crock full of water. Moisture. <laughs> so... Isn't this just like basically you've gone from storing the butter on the counter to storing the butter in the toilet? Yeah, I said, no, well, what, they wouldn't make this if it's not, you know, something to do. I'm like, all right, well, I'm not eating it. So whatever. So it sits there for a couple of days. I don't know, maybe five days, maybe a week. 
She gets up one morning. She's making the kids some eggs for breakfast, and she takes a spoonful of this butter out and throws it in the egg pan, and suddenly the whole kitchen smells like fried baby vomit. <laughs> that butter had gone fucked up. Yeah, a little lactobacteria oh there. Oh, my God. The whole I could not get the smell out of my nose for like an hour. <laughs> well, did your wife change her ways? Yeah, she did. She, she oh, came to the conclusion. Thank God. So, yeah, the, the, the butter crock has been retired. Actually, I think we're sending it to you as a Christmas gift. So keep an eye out for that. Oh, hey, great. That'll change the way we store butter because right now we store it in a, a filthy sweat sock. <laughs> <laughs> underneath the radiator. <laughs> underneath, actually, underneath the refrigerator, you know. Oh, it, it's shit. okay, though, because it's insulated by dust bunnies. All right. Well, that's that's pretty much everything that pisses me off. Uh, we don't really have a Jess-ass gourd tonight. Although there was no. something that popped up on Twitter. Uh, Florida Possum, who is a fine young woman who listens to a number of the horror podcasts did send me a question asking what do you do if you're pissed off all the time you're in a permanent it's like permafrost she's in a constant state of perma pissed well what you do is you start a podcast with steve that's what i did (laughs) (laughs) what's the problem steve knows well i'm perpetually pissed off there you go. That'll that'll keep you from being pissed off. So speaking yeah, of just do a political rant, do, am oh. I doing a political rant this sorry, time? Sorry, yeah, by all means, please rant politically. I will because I don't know if anyone noticed. I mean, it's been a pretty like kind of minor back page news story, but there was an earthquake in Haiti, and <laughs> you know the first thing that happens is that people are generous, people are care, and they want to they want to help, and so they start donating money and. I'll be damned if the first handout you see is for the Red Cross, yeah, which usually I guess is. at I mean, one time was a respectable organization that helped people. Yeah, back to like World War One and World War Two, right? Yeah, yeah. Remember nine eleven? I mean, we can't forget. Ask Giuliani. We cannot forget nine eleven. The Red Cross after nine eleven, ever we people just poured money into the Red Cross to help the victims of nine eleven, and they got. They got $564 million for the victims of 9-11. And you know how much they shelled out back to the victims? How much? $154 million. So they they took like four-fifths four of that, and they put it out of nowhere in their own pocket. It's something, but it sure as hell didn't get to the people that needed it. I mean, can you imagine if you if you gave me five bucks to help someone out, and I said, "Yeah, I'll help them out," and I gave them one buck, you'd be pissed. <laughs> and and that's what they did. So why are we even dealing with these clowns? So they said they they when they got caught, they wrung their hands and then tore their hair. It's oh, we're so sorry. We'll do better. Katrina rolled around. Same fucking shit. Same kind of thing. They were, at one point when they started actually monitoring where things were going. At, for the Katrina relief, it was something like for every $2 of help that went in, $1 of it just disappeared. It was just a big old thievery ring. They they, they had no idea where this stuff was going. They had felons. They I don't know about felons. They had convicted. They had one guy that was like, had an arrest warrant for him, had his driver's license suspended, and they were giving him aid to give to other people, which just kept disappearing. He went through a couple of cars, a bunch of cell phones. Same thing. If you want to help the people of Haiti, that's cool. Go to Doctors Without Borders. Go to somebody else 
give them the money, but I would steer clear of the Red Cross because they don't have a very good track record. And if you really want to help, don't help the Red Cross, help the people that need it. And that, that is my political rant, my friend. Well, that, that was, a, I was, I was kind of grousing to Julie in my, my normal grumpy old man way the other day about how, you know, something like Haiti comes up and everybody is quick to start, like, texting 10 bucks to the charity of their choice. But you see a fucking homeless guy on your street and you don't do shit about that. That it almost has to be like a cause where the media is jumping on it and celebrities are, you know, behind it for people to get involved. But, hey, I'll tell you what, I then, let two homeless people go when they were when I had jury duty. That's how I've helped the homeless out. But, but you know, then I started thinking, and, uh, you know, Julie was said something tonight about how, you know, do you think that this the, the, the amount of generosity towards Haiti has helped, you know, the view of America in the eyes of the world, which has been kind of shit over the last few years? Yeah, I think so. Do you think that that, you know, the other countries are looking at us, oh, maybe we're not the great white Satan? Yeah, I think so. I think our reputation is changing because we've always been a really generous country. Mm-hmm. Countries will view us as meddling, but but we give thanklessly. The vast amounts of money we give to someone like Egypt, the general public in Egypt has a very, very negative opinion of our country, but we give huge amounts to them because we do give a shit. We do care. And I think we were overshadowed by Bush's policies and, and uh, the image that he projected. And I think without Bush in charge... And I'm not I'm not trying to get on the Obama bandwagon. I'm still on the I hate Bush bandwagon. But <laughs> I think that our generosity is being seen again and it will never be seen in full. And we do meddle, we do we do fuck shit up, but we, we do a lot of good too. And when we we will never get credit for all the good we do. So I don't know where I'm going with this. Yeah. Anyway, that's enough raging from us. Why don't we let Warp Eleven do it for a while? This is Rage Against the Federation. The red shirts are dying. Shirts are dying. The red shirts are dying. The red shirts are dying. We beam down, but not back. Before the break, we were under attack. Forward, Captain Cried. Up from the rear and the front rank. Shirts are dying. The red 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 shirts are dying. I ain't lying. What they telling you? Buying while the cat 
Carl Miller from Warp 11, and you're listening to the Bone Bat Show. Live long and prosper. All right, and that was Rage Against the Federation by the mightiest Star Trek band in the land, Warp 11. And we are joined now by Captain Carl Miller and science officer Kiki Stockhammer from Warp 11. How are you guys doing? We are doing awesome. It's actually, now she's running over here to the mic to say it's actually... I I thought she was going to say it's chief science officer. And in the background, the whole band is here because we just finished practice. We have a chief engineer, Brian Moore, and a John number one Merlino on the drums. Fantastic. Welcome, everyone, to the Bone Bat Show. Awesome. Thanks for having us. Now, I got to say, uh, I'm a new convert to the power and glory that is Warp 11. Uh, And one of the things that I really dug about your band is how you were able to inject sex back into Star Trek, something that had been vastly missing since the original series, in my estimation. Inject is, is too totally yeah. Inject is too mild a term. I mean, you 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 slam it in there. You you yeah. No, we we gave it the money shot. We yes. just like shot it right up there. That's awesome because you know I I kind of lost touch when Next Generation came out. I mean, there's there's nothing sexy about polyester pantsuits. I know this. I used to work at Taco Bell. I got zero action. I, I totally agree. You know, the only reason Kiki joined the band was because we were focusing on the sex aspect. And Kiki's, she's, well, I, I shouldn't say this on the air, but she's kind of a nympho when it comes to Star Trek and stuff. <laughs> and so, she, I mean, you just show her a triple. She's ready. And I go, wow! <laughs> <laughs> I heard she shaved her triple. Is that true? Uh, no comment. <laughs> okay. Brian shaves his, though. Does he? My <laughs> trip. Hey, yeah, you know, it's funny. Wait, I don't want people to think that the band is just about sex and Star Trek because you forgot it's also about drugs and drinking too. It's like the trifecta. It's like <laughs> sex, drugs, and Star Trek. You know, seriously, it's funny. When we first formed the band and we first started kind of playing gigs and stuff, it was always the same. We'd go into a club and like the bartenders and the waitresses and stuff. We'd be looking at us like, "What the fuck?" Because we're wearing our Starfleet uniforms. You know, we got the sleeves cut off. We're looking all punk rock, and uh, and. And I always looked so confused until we started playing. And I tell you, by the time we finished, because you know we're playing songs like you know "Suck My Spock," and it's really just a, a it's just a really fun, good time. Even the people who don't like Star Trek have come up to me. I mean, I had people after a show say, "You know, I gotta tell you, dude, I hate Star Trek, but I fucking love you guys." Yeah, everyone can relate a- to a lyric like "I want to fuck you like Captain Kirk." They, they know what that means. 
Yeah, thank you. And uh, so at the end of the show, though, the same bartenders that were looking at us, like, one dude was like, hey, is there a Magic the Gathering band after this? He was totally talking <laughs> shit. But I, I sort of got it at the end of the show. We used to take, a, we had a, like, box of Federation shirts, and we'd throw them out in the audience. At the end of the show, this guy's, like, wearing a Spock shirt, you know, the blue shirt, <laughs> while bartending and throwing up the Vulcan salute at us. And I'm like, yes, another convert. It works. It's just that easy. Yeah, by, I think you, you play to the lowest common denominator, the crowd, which is right there at crotch level. And I think <laughs> exactly. Star Trek springs from there. Yeah, and you know, and it's it, you know, a lot of people thought it was just like a, a joke, which it kind of was, but it was a serious joke. And then you know, we put out our first album, like, oh, that's so funny, you guys made a Star Trek band. You put out an album, that's so cool. And then we put our second album, they were kind of like, okay, right on, man, that's so fun. And then we put out our third album, our fourth album, <laughs> and we just put out our fifth album, which is called, I think I sent it to you guys. Uh, yes. I don't want to go to heaven as long as they have Vulcans in hell. And uh, now we're the ones who are laughing all the way to the bank. Thank you, iTunes. <laughs> Absolutely. And having listened to it, that is a, it's an amazing work. I really enjoy the CD. Thank you. Thank you very much. I, I think the albums have gotten better and better. And ever since we got rid of our last uh, deadbeat drummer, I hope he's listening, Jeff. Hi. And, and got our new drummer, number one, who can actually count to four. It's just changed everything. It's like a whole new ball game now. That's great. Yeah. And it's not every day you find a band that can both crack you up and rock hard. And I can say yeah. rock hard in front of you totally unselfconsciously. No, no, Brian is hard right now. He's, <laughs> he's doing his triple thing, and it's, it's really working out well. well. And anyone that sees you guys live should immediately understand that they need to take you seriously because you go 100%. You, you rock your asses off. You perspire. You lick <laughs> one another. It's... Uh... Yeah, yeah, you know, I, I've always said that one of the things about this band is that the lyrics are, are really funny and very sexual, but when we get up there, people can tell that we really mean it, mm -hmm. you know, we, we just really mean it on stage, and, you know, as much as I like going into the studio, we really are, we're just a live band, people come to our shows, and we sell out the place, and there's all these people in, you know, plastic Vulcan ears, and, you know, the, the number one hands people put on their hands at basket, the foam fingers, they make a Vulcan salute one to those, <laughs> they hold them up at us, it's just a good time. Now, speaking of live, you guys are playing at Macworld this year, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, we are. We just found out that I guess the uh, Enterprise runs on a Macintosh, so they want us there. <laughs> yeah, Leo Laporte uh, is uh, very excited about having Warp 11 on his special variety show that he is hosting at Macworld. Yeah, it's going to be us and one of the guys from uh, Mythbusters, which is rad because I just saw Mythbusters busted the myth about Captain Kirk making a bazooka out of a piece of bamboo and some diamonds and sulfur. You can't do that That's, shit? That turns out it doesn't work, man. Oh, there goes my entire childhood. I'm already writing a song about it, about how like my <laughs> life has been crushed because it's all bullshit. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to know that. There were some know, special well, space was, diamonds he used. I'm sure. That, well, what sucks is like I, you know, I'm kind of one of those dudes who's really paranoid about like the end of the world and stuff. And I had like a shitload of bamboo in my backyard and like diamond-sized <laughs> rocks, and that was how I was going to defend my home. And now it's not going to work, so they're going to take me. I just realized our drummer's wearing a goddamn Star Wars shirt. <laughs> is, that, go. is that allowed? Go. Looks like no. you need a new drummer. <laughs> As captain, I would think you would keep a tighter rein on things. Yeah, I think he just put it on. It wasn't on before. John, go uh, get go get your pain amplifier. <laughs> All right. So, which one of you guys is the biggest geek in the band? Brian. <laughs> the captain has has the title for a reason. Well, wait, wait, wait. When you're talking about geek, you have to define the geek because there's different layers and levels of geekdom here. I play Dungeons and Dragons too. I'm the biggest geek. 
<laughs> I play it too. Yeah, I run a Dungeons and Dragons campaign. I'm the biggest geek. Well, I send a fire missile your way. <laughs> At, you mean magic missile? No, it's fire missile. At the darkness? Yes. <laughs> yes, I by far am the biggest nerd in the band. And luckily, uh, I'm kind of the king of nerds, or king of geeks, actually. And so they kind of flock to me. So I really actually had a lot of people to choose from when I formed the band. Mm -hmm. So you guys just watch yourselves. <laughs> John, number one, Marlena says, fuck no, I'm the, I'm the most nerdy. I was a computer programmer for 15 years, so that's uh, that's pretty high in the geek level. John works for Sega, and it gives me free video games for my PS3, which I play all the time, which makes me even geekier. And <laughs> Well, uh, I was in the computer video industry for 20 years, so I think I've beat all of you. Brian works. Brian's one of those toll guys who, uh, who takes your money through the bridge. That's pretty geeky. I hand out uh, Star Wars trivia to, to people to come by. I just pick, hey, you know that, planet. that that's all well and good. But do any of you folks have a podcast? Uh, you uh -huh, know what? I actually, I'll uh -huh. send you a link to my show. I used to do a, a video <laughs> podcast, which is a little a little more high tech than this that audio is, thing yeah, you guys this, do. This is low, right, low tech. We used to do a real show on the internet. Yeah, we used to stream a TV show, Kiki and I, on the net, like two hours live TV every day. And this is the thing that makes it rad. We got paid for it. That's awesome. Yep, every day. <laughs> oh, that that rocks. We get free video games occasionally, movies and DVDs. Uh, but paid money, like cash, never happened. <laughs> hey, so uh, what kind of bands do you guys normally interview on the show? Are we your first Star War Star Trek band? You are our first Star Trek band. We did have a Star Wars band, the uh, death metal band we, Anchorhead. We, oh, yeah, I've heard of those guys. Yeah, they're, they they're pretty cool. Jar Jar. No, Anchorhead. <laughs> but, yeah, we, we play any kind of music here. So Right on. It's just got to be independent. That's what we're about. Yeah, it, we don't play any kind of music. We don't play mainstream country, mainstream rock and roll, but we'll play hey. anything else. Have you guys heard that new Justin Timberlake album? It's awesome. You guys should check it out. <laughs> no, no, no. Can't have it. Too busy listening to Warp okay. 11. Justin, he wants to get on the show so exactly. bad. I, mean, I heard. I actually, I read that on his blog. He's like, those fuckers at Bone Bat turned me down again. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we're going to keep doing it, too. He was super pissed off because, of course, we brought Sexy back first right. yes. before he did. Yeah. That's clear. It is clear. Seriously, for anyone who listens to this, go go to our website, warp11.com, and go to like the photo gallery section and look at the kind of outfits that Kiki wears on stage, and you will see that we do not lie, that we do have sexy. You know, I read a, I read a great review of the band one time. I, I'll never forget. It's one of my favorites. And uh, this guy's like, yeah, you know, there's Captain Carl up there, and there's uh, John Merlino and Brian, and then there's Kiki. Thank God for Kiki, because let me tell you, three guys singing about Star Trek is just too nerdy for anyone to deal with. Well, my first purchase was Red Alert, so... Uh, Great cover. Uh, yes. Oh, fantastic. That, that's Kiki on the cover. Yes, indeed. And on the back. Yeah, and on the back. <laughs> so, you know, I have a story about that actual uh, CD with William Shatner himself. We were at a convention, and I realized that I was selling all of our CDs, a lot of Red Alerts at that time, and uh, I, I said, oh, shit, Carl, we got to go talk to Shatner, because... He's been signing our CDs. Yeah, all our friends and, and people who bought our CDs would come back and go, look, we just had Shatner sign Kiki's tits. <laughs> so I was like, oh, God. You know, if he opened it up and read the lyrics, I said, we need to go talk to him. So 
we went over to where he was signing, and he was uh, sicker than shit. His eyes were watering. I mean, he had a really horrible flu. And he was just looking down, and people would walk up, and he would just look at him, sign the thing, push it back, and they would just move on. Like, there was no dialogue at all with anyone. So we went up to him, and I said, I said... Wait, wait, no, no. He picks up the CD, and he, and he says... Another one of these? Yeah. Like, what the fuck are these? Yeah. <laughs> and I said, well, we wanted to come over here and let you know that we honor and we really do truly love you. Yeah, and he's like, wait, this is you guys? And she's like, yeah, yeah, this is us. Go ahead. And so I just said, you know, we, we really love and honor you. And, and he kind of made a smirk because, of course, you know, the songs are... Well, he read the lyrics, apparently, and the first song was called Everything I Do, I Do with William Shatner. Right. And the, the, the lyric is, Everything I Do, I Do with William Shatner, losing all my hair while my belly's growing fatner. <laughs> <laughs> so, so he looked at me and he goes, out of love, huh? And I said, yeah. And I said, and you know, for me personally, I loved Star Trek because of all the hot, sexy chicks. You know, when I was growing up, I loved watching the show because I was enamored with all the cool hot chicks that you got it on with and he looked at me and he paused and he goes whoever said I got it on with them and I took a, a minute and I, I grinned a Cheshire grin and I looked at him and I said well you did didn't you now wait now at this point the two security guys that are flanking Mr. Shatner PRD yeah they're big bodyguard looking guys like no one's supposed to talk to the Shatner and they start walking towards us like with their hands out as if to almost push us away yeah, we've been we've been talking too long, and Bill holds his hand up, and I swear to God, it was like Moses parting the Red Sea. <laughs> These two guys just melted away, and then he just looked at Kiki and just went, "You were saying?" <laughs> so the guys wearing red shirts. Yeah, no, no, no. These guys were still alive. Oh, <laughs> but it was that. Uh, all in all, it was overall a really great experience. Yeah, so far, all the cast that we've met have really liked us. We gave a CD to Michael Dorn, you know, the guy who played Mr. Worf. Mm -hmm. yeah. and, and he picks it up and he goes, Warp 2. <laughs> Warp apparently, five. Klingons use Roman numerals. We, we didn't know that <laughs> at the time. And I also met uh, Scotty, James Doohan. Yeah, I, James Doohan tried to feel her up in a limo. I, I, <laughs> We're writing a song about the, the whole story as we, as we speak here. Yes. <laughs> it was a crazy two-and-a-half-hour drive, me and the back of the limo with him I, I literally must have done five or six different cycles of, of laps of laps, laps around, around him trying around to get away inside. and meanwhile I'm in the front seat crying because he's not hitting on me <laughs> <laughs> but he was uh, he was a super sweetheart uh, he he was really fun <laughs> that's a great that's fantastic so, so being a Star Trek band, you must have some unique problems on the road, correct? Like dealing with Ferengi club owners, Klingon show security, Orion slave groupies, the problem of finding Sari and Brandy on the road. Yeah, you know, we, we don't do too bad. I, we have weird issues like right before shows a lot. Like we've learned never eat sushi before a gig. Never. We got some bad like Romulan sushi at this place <laughs> and it was grim. Everyone's kind of bending over while they're playing and stamping their feet up and down. It was a really weird looking show. And, uh, <laughs> but like we, we just have weird run-ins with normal people. That's the problem. I remember we were playing uh, the St. Patrick's Day one time and we have this, we have this crewman who helps us out with props named Odin. 
and Odin wears, that's his God-given name, Odin, and the guy literally weighs like 300 pounds. He is huge. And so I'm in the bathroom, and I'm wearing a G-string, and I'm going to have Odin paint me green because we're about to go on stage, and I want to be the green Orion slave girl from Star Trek. And we're in this weird biker bar. Don't ask me why we're playing it, like, in Old Town Sacramento. Uh, that's like in a basement and so Odin's like okay let's do this so I strip down I'm wearing a g-string I put my hands up against the wall and Odin puts his hands into this green paint and just starts slathering it over me right as these two like redneck dudes walk into the bathroom (laughs) seriously and they just and one of them stops and I'm like no problem guys come on in no problem we're just over here you know don't worry about it and one of them, I just see one of them turn around and yell at the guys who are all playing pool. Going, you got to see what the fuck's going on in here. <laughs> so uh, we, we get stuff like that. Greased oh, up by Odin. That's, that's fantastic. I got a visual. <laughs> <laughs> so does Brian. Brian, stop, go put some pants on. Stop it. So listen, we're not professionals like you all, but we've put our heads together and we wanted to pitch a few Star Trek song titles to you that maybe you could use down the road. Okay, awesome. Hold on, let me get a let me get a pen here. Okay. All right. you, Shoot. You ready? Okay. And and you relinquish all rights to these, right? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. These are yours if you decide to go with them. First of all, another shout out as you're want to do to Ricardo Montalban. What about Conalingus? Con, that's that's not bad. You, right. guys, you guys are already doing better than most people when they pitch <laughs> us song titles. How about Damn it Jim, I'm not a proctologist. <laughs> Technically, <laughs> he is. Okay, what? All right, a- keep, keep going. How about She's My Prime Erective? Yeah, actually, we had a show called that we used to stream on the internet called The Prime Directive. So Are that's actually. Saying, but erective. Erective. And, oh, erective. Which is actually a word. No, I no, no, it no. Up. just throw She's out. Just Prime Erective <laughs> is hot. There you go. How about Scotty lost his green card? <laughs> Okay, yes. Right, we're we're going to have a whole album out of this, Steve. This is this is Yeah, you guys are actually doing way better than most. Everybody should be wearing outbreak of Rigelian beaver. Oh. <laughs> we'll put Kiki on the cover again. It's great. Right on. And since on. it's always hard to find anyway, the zero G spot. Yeah, no, we we wrote it. We already wrote it. Ah, we shit. Just haven't recorded it. <laughs> no, I, no shit. We have a song called Zero G Spot. That's awesome, Gord. Is that uh, it? Yeah, well, yeah, I'm not nearly as funny as Steve. Keep, them, keep Rub- them coming. Rubik's like board. That in? Is that all you got? Really? <laughs> Phone bat is all you got. I got a little more. So you, you guys don't do a lot of songs about episodes specifically, but how about the Omega Glory Hole? Yeah, no, that's good. I, I like that. I'm surprised we didn't think of that one. Reach Around Intruder? <laughs> yes, yes, I love it. I'm writing all this down. I really am. <laughs> you don't do a lot You don't do a lot of kind of rap theme stuff, but Mud's Bitches? Yeah, yeah we were getting, what was our rap song we were working on? Uh, what the heck? We had something. Rap of Con. Rap of Con. We're working on what's called Rap of Con. How about Captain Pike always gets the best parking places? (laughs) Beep. (laughs) See, I was thinking the Wrath of Cock, but it's pretty obvious, so. Yeah. (laughs) That's awesome. That's what that's what I've got anyway. So I got nothing else. Yeah, I did think it would be it would be kind of cool if you just did an instrumental song with whale sounds in the background. Call it Vija. That that'd be the UK version. It'd be Vija in the US. <laughs> you know, we we actually have a song where we where the last line of the bridge is uh, the world's gonna end if we don't hear a whale scream. And Kiki goes. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> we also have a have a have a line. What is it? Uh, 
I'm going to free my willy like Star Trek 4. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, so no book. Which bo- album Sorry. is your favorite? Uh, right now, I think I like the new one best. I, I've spent the most time with Red Alert and with uh, Vulcans in Hell, but I think I like Vulcans in Hell. I like the, the mix of tunes are kind of different. I have a question. Uh, I've noticed in a couple of songs, and I'm not sure if I'm just hearing things, are one of you guys influenced by Voivod at all? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just hearing shit. Brian's over at the bar getting another shot, and he's walking, and he's going to talk into my face. I, I, I don't know if I can say I'm directly uh, inspired, but I have definitely had my share of listening to Voivod what, what yeah, is the just, Voivod influence song? Do you just think a, 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 like chord proge- progressions in I'm Not Herbert, Red Alert, and They Put Creatures in Our Bodies. All three of those tunes kind of mm-hmm. reminded me of a Voivod vibe. And sometimes when you're doing your vocals, they actually you have like an inflection like Snake does. So I wasn't sure if it was like a salute or if it was just like you'd heard them before or maybe not at all. But it's great shit. What it is actually is the um, you're hearing what is called the uh, oh god damn it. It's it's um, Fetlar's interval here on Earth. It's called the Devil's interval, and it is a staple of heavy metal. Yeah, and yeah, all of sure. us metalheads know it. <laughs> <laughs> Brian always freaks out whenever we write a new metal song because he used to be in a metal band. He's like, "No, no, we can't do that. It's been done a million times." I'm like, "Come on, dude. Our fans don't listen to metal. They don't know. We sound innovative." <laughs> That's Brian, awesome. Stick mate actually called a tritone. Yeah, uh, John's the yeah, the, only the, guy the in song the band who can actually read. Mu- Wait, isn't it weird? The drummer is the only guy in the band who can read music. <laughs> you guys That's are like funny. Rush or something. Yeah, well, it's the. the <laughs> Dude, it- I grew. I, I grew up listening uh, Rush. Uh, I missed everything that came out through like '78 through like '84 because all I listened to was Rush. So I'm the nerdiest. I, I played D and D. I listened to Rush while playing D and D. That's pretty. That's pretty nerdy. I love you guys for bringing up the instrumental thing because I've been trying to get more jazz influence on these guys at all. You know, trying to. John, we were. They just want listen. We were working on a song tonight, and it's just it's called Borgasm, and it's just this <laughs> yeah. driving oh, kind of like it's like a Rob Zombie song more than anything else, I think. And John kept throwing in this weird. What do you call it, John? What do you call that? That thing you did on the drums? Actually, it's pretty much influenced by Bill, Bill Bruford when he was uh, uh, back in Yes. You know, basically just not hitting the snare drum where you expect it. Get your art rock out of my metal. <laughs> <laughs> Swear to God, I'm going to transport you somewhere. The problem is, this is actually the, one of the first bands I've ever been in where they actually listen to what the drummer is doing. So anytime <laughs> I actually throw in something different, they look at me like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we, we're not a jam band. We learn our songs, we play our damn songs. Yeah, well, you know, the songs are getting in the way of the drinking, right? <laughs> you know, usually they do. They tend to. <laughs> uh, our, our fans have a thing that they like to do. They they buy us shots. We have a we have a really good fan base. And, like, when we play, the clubs love us because they make a lot of money because our fans like to party and they like to drink and they like to get us drunk. And finally, like, to, at a certain point I said, I know this is fun, you guys, but we got to stop doing shots like on stage when they bring us shots because we just turn into a big sloppy mess. And, you know, it used to be about the music, man. <laughs> so listen, any Bone Bat Show interview would not be complete without the question, what pisses you off? Um, what pisses people who try to give us titles for songs. <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, no, seriously, you guys did good ones. So we, I've, I have a lot of people send us lyrics and, they are so bad. Like, hey, you guys, I wrote a song. You want to use it? It's like, no, no, no. All right, well, do you guys hear this? Everyone, they were out doing shots. They want to know what, it's a bone bat tradition, what pisses us off. So we're going to go around. What pisses me off? Two words, George Lucas. 
Right. <laughs> um, children who play with with uh, Star Wars toys that don't know the fucking planets that the creatures come from. It makes me crazy. <laughs> Why Star Wars? <laughs> fucking Star Trek bands that talk about Star Wars piss me off. John, what do you got? Um, not my wife. <laughs> <laughs> Terrified. And Kiki Stockham. Jar Jar Binks. Be so horny, I kill you now. <laughs> you know, we actually uh, formed a Star Wars band, you know, because we've all been playing with each other for, geez, like 12, for like, yeah, literally. For like 12, literally. 12, 15 years. That's why band practice is so much fucking fun. <laughs> and, and, uh, and we did all the bands that, you know, I think there's certain bands everyone does as they're growing up and they form bands. You know, we did the Star Wars band, then we did the Battlestar Galactica band, and we did the Buck Rogers band. But uh, nothing really gelled until we, we said, hey, you know, let's try Star Trek. And just everything clicked. In fact, the reason the Star Wars band failed is because nothing really rhymes with Chewbacca. But everything, but there's so many good what words that rhyme with Chewbacca. What about sucking my yeah, That was it. That was it. The only one. <laughs> yeah, you can only run I that one out so many with Chewbacca. Suck my caca! <laughs> I'm a Yoda, smoking Choda. The Death Star is going to explode. <laughs> Did you do Wait, I know we're just about to wrap up. Wait, if you guys ever get a chance to, to come see us, come to our Halloween shows. Because we do this. It's a tradition for us to play. We play at the G Street Davis, which is a great club to play. It's always yeah. packed. And it's a call. You know, college town and we always do something different and a couple of years ago we rewrote our entire set like an hour's worth of material and changed every single one of the lyrics to be about star wars <laughs> that's pretty awesome and we dressed as star wars characters and it was fucking rad and can i tell them the the story kiki's wearing a, a black rubber cat suit like a fetish cat suit and uh -huh. a darth vader helmet and she's fucking Darth Vader, and she's doing her songs. At one point, she kind of goes to bend down, or like spread her legs and go down, and, you know, her butt toward the ground, and her zipper and her crotch split right open. But you have to understand that when you wear rubber, it's not just like you can pull your pants down. So no. You have to have a two-way zipper <laughs> in your crotch so you can just open up and, and go to get, the bathroom. And hey. among other things. And But what's rad is someone came up to me and goes, Wow, I never thought I'd see it. Darth Beaver. <laughs> <laughs> Greatest thing ever. So what are the chances of you guys yes. coming up to play PAX in Seattle at some point? Uh, you know, actually, I talked to someone. We get a lot of a lot of calls from or emails. We would love to. Yeah, hook us up. Uh, we get a lot of emails from people that want to get us there, but just sometimes, like, we all have real jobs, and, and a lot of us travel for our jobs, so it's it's actually getting harder and harder to get together to do stuff. There's a lot of just conflicts of schedules. But, yeah, PAX, love to do it. Oh <laughs> yeah. Do you know cool. anyone there? I don't, but maybe we can put the word out. We'll see what we can do. Sure. The, is that that is that that sci-fi museum that's up there? That that's up here too. The, Pax is the is the gaming convention for video games. And, okay, okay. Yeah. The, I, I'm in touch with someone contacted us a couple months ago from that sci-fi museum. They wanted us to do. Something, oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Yep. EMP SMF yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, the EMP is cool. You got to go there. Awesome. Cool. Well, thank you very much for joining us on the show. We really appreciate it. Well, uh, thanks for having us. So uh, uh, can, I, can I introduce the next song? Absolutely, hey, be quiet. but before I'm you do, introduce the next song. Before that, okay, though, to, where can yabbering. before that, where can our listeners buy your shit? Uh, our shit's for sale on Amazon, and our shit's for sale on iTunes, and uh, our shit's Brian takes our shit to Dimple Records, which is in Sacramento. So if you happen to be at Sacramento, six stars, woohoo! 
But uh, that's the easiest. Yeah, we used to make uh, a truckload of money from Amazon, but then about four years ago, everything changed, and now no one buys physical CDs anymore, which pisses me off because we spent so much money on the art. Um, that's not really true. We still have quite a few. No, but, but, compared, <laughs> but compared to iTunes, it's nothing. Cool. cool. So Amazon iTunes, it's easy. And, uh, or you can just uh, get a torrent and steal it. Ha <laughs> <laughs> You bastards. <laughs> All right. Well, you want to right. introduce so, our... our our thanks for having us. Uh, I believe the next song you guys are about to play is a song entitled "Betazoid Mindfuck," and I just want to really thank you guys for having an uncensored show because we do a lot of radio interviews and a lot a lot of like morning radio, and uh, it's so hard to censor ourselves and say you know "Betazoid Mindfrack." So I just want to <laughs> say it one last time. Betazoid mind fuck. Yeah, That's I, the name I, of the song you're about there. It's all about a guy who's dating a betazoid. A betazoids for the non-nerdy out there are telepaths. And how shitty is that when you like look at some hot chick and your girlfriend can read your fucking mind? That's what the song is about. And I love the fact that you actually worked in a call and response of fuck. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, Absolute fuck. genius. So uh, rock out with your Spock out, boys. Live long and prosper and um, have a good one. She's in my bed and in my head. That's what I'm thinking before it said. I'm in the mind. She's in my mind.
Jackhammer of Warp 11, and you are listening to the Bone Bat Show. Remember to rock out with your Spock out. Awesome, Betazoid Mindfuck. I love that tune. Oh, yeah. So multimedia triage, dude. Want to talk a little bit about uh, what we're digging on this week? Yeah, you know what I'm digging on, and I, I appreciate the hell out of this. Thank you very much for sending me the Advanced Readers Edition of Doug Tanopel's Ghostopolis. Isn't that cool? Oh my gosh, it's great. I love, it's it's a book, you know, graphic novel, comic book, if you will, about the uh, the afterworld, and there's a, without giving anything away, there's a ghost hunter that's job is to get spirits that make their way to our world back to the uh, ghost world, the, the land of the dead. And he inadvertently sends a, uh, a little boy who's very much alive, sends him back and it's the it's the story of this boy and his adventures in the the land of the dead he meets up with his dead grandpa and their adventures trying to get him back and it's very very cool and i liked i think it's the best thing he's ever done i liked it better even than creature tech really great that's yeah no faint praise right there. no no really it was funny it was beautifully drawn and it worked on two levels I read the book. I really liked it. I just, I just really enjoyed it, and I gave it to my uh, my nine year old to read, and he loved it. He couldn't put it down, and he was laughing at parts. And it re- you know, you could tell he get to a page and it's a fight scene. You go, ooh, ah! I mean, he was so into this book. It was just so very, very well done. So when it comes out, check out Ghostopolis. Yeah, it's coming but, from Scholastic in July 2010. So, Doug Tanapple, Ghostopolis, ask for it by name. Ask for it, buy it. Great stuff coming up. The other thing I've been uh, occupying my time with is uh, another massive tome you sent me, Name of the Wind. I'm cringing. You're, you yeah, hated no, it. No, no, I'm, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna <laughs> bag on it like that. That terrible Star Wars coloring <laughs> book you sent me. I'm only going to talk about it because you you talked it up and said it was great. And if you're a George R. R. Martin fan, you should read this. I, I do not agree with the George R. R. Martin angle in the least. Okay. To me, it, it's a it's a decent book. It's okay. It's giant. But it the way I look at it is is like this: the George R. R. Martin books they're like good fresh pico de gallo salsa. There's a bunch of very crisp elements to it. Doesn't matter how hot it is, you just can't get enough. You keep eating it. You're tasting all the different flavors that that are very, very distinct, and it and it's this one overall wonderful food sensation going on. Inherit the wind is more like a pork taco. Okay. Where you got a couple of things going on. It's good, but you can only have so much before you got to put it down. It's just that's what it is. It's good, but. I, I'm not excited about reading the next book. I'm about 100 pages from the end of this one. It takes itself way too seriously, I think. And he kind of meanders. But it, it's a good book. There, I wonder if you're to... There was a part... <laughs> I don't know if you're there yet. But there, there's a part actually towards the end that to continue your analogy, there's about a two-chapter spot that a big plot point comes out and it's a lot like eating said pork taco and it's a delicious pork taco and then you find like a human fingernail in it <laughs> okay well i'm looking forward to that then. <laughs> so uh, i'll be interesting to interested to see what you think as you finish no okay. uh, one thing I, I'm, I'm like 700 pages into this battle. yeah, yeah. Uh, i enjoyed it I, I and i thought what my my comparison to martin was more because 
it's kind of gritty. There's betrayals in it and violence and kind of like gruesome, gruesome treatment of humans by other humans and that sort of thing, which you do find in in Martin's work. But yeah, uh, yeah it's not quite as well written, obviously, as Martin. But yeah. and it, it's almost like it's trying to be. I don't know. It keeps making references to all these different tribes of people and little bits of different language and bits of different song. And it's almost like saying, come on, geek people make, you know, get really into this and argue about it and make your own maps of the world and, and do some fan fiction. Cause I've only given you all these little pieces, but it's a lot of pieces. Oh, well, I don't think that's fair. I think that, that he was doing that as a way of giving the world uh, a texture and depth and richness. I think that's kind of just a little bit uh, being harsh. I think. Okay, well, I thought that too at first, and the more I read it, the more I, I felt like going, come on, really? Huh, all right, well, we'll have to see what you think as you uh, get it finished. No, yeah. not on the same level as all, but I've been absolutely still absorbed in fucking Dragon Age, the video game. Yeah. And, uh, dude, this fucking game. I, I don't know, I must have put like 25 hours into it so far. And <laughs> gotcha. I'm not even, I'm like on chapter four of 20. <laughs> This game's probably going to take me the better part of a year, and there's DLC that I haven't even touched or downloaded yet. So, But there are a couple of novels based on the Dragon Age world by David Gator called The Stolen Throne and The Calling that kind of tell the history of uh, the kings before where you are in the game. And uh, they're kind of light reads, kind of fun, and I've really enjoyed them. They're, they're not too shabby. Um what else am I into? You know what I saw? I actually saw a movie that was in the theater. Yeah, Shocking, uh-huh. I know. Yeah, and I went on a date with a girl. Aww, I took my wife to the movie. Nice. What we saw Up in the Air, the George Clooney movie. Really? Yeah. It was a pretty darn good movie. Yeah? Yeah. It, it was very poignant for our times. You know, it's about a guy whose job is essentially to fly around all over the country and fire people. Mm. That's that's what his job is, is to end other people's jobs. And they did it really well. And they, they really got the feel for a lot of the airports I've been in and the, just the, the whole crappiness of flying and impersonal nature of travel that this guy totally embraces. That This is like his identity. And, and they did a great job. I, I like the movie. I, I recommend it. However, I got, I got a slight bitch. And that's when I was reading reviews for the movie – Somebody started talking about the uh, the theme, the the opening piece of music in the movie, which is a song by Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings, mm-hmm. and an excellent contemporary R and B band, really really good. And they did a, a version of "This Land Is Your Land," and reviewers started calling it a hip hop version. <laughs> what? I mean, it, there there is nothing hip or hop about that. Just so, so it doesn't it have was, like a. Kind of beat or anything behind it? No, there's none of that. Nobody raps, uh, scratches, uh, beatboxes, nothing. It's a straight R&B. If someone were to say jazz, I'd give them that. But what? Just because it's not the original version and it's done by someone whose skin is not white does not automatically make it hip-hop. I encourage anyone who believes that to be hip-hop to go to a record store and stay there for a year. (laughs) Well, I saw a couple of movies on DVD this week. Uh, did you check out Paranormal Activity yet? Nope, didn't do it. Are you going to? Yeah, probably. All right, I won't spoil it. Um, I, I did enjoy it. It wasn't the scariest thing I've ever seen. 
not even close. And granted, I, I have listened to a number of horror podcasts, so I had a pretty good idea of what was coming. And parts of it were chilling. Uh, honestly, the alternate ending is the creepiest thing about the whole movie. You got to watch the alternate ending. The, the alternate ending me fucked me up a little bit. Right on. Just a little bit. Just a little bit? Yeah, just a little bit. It, it kind of ties into something that totally freaks me out. But I don't really want to spoil it for you. Okay. So I, I can't. After you see it, we'll talk. We'll talk um, about clowns also or monkeys. Also finally saw District 9. Yeah, and what did you think? You know what? I fell asleep during it twice. Oh, jeez. <laughs> now, I, I, same type of deal. Paranormal activity, I didn't fall asleep during. Benjamin Button, I didn't fall asleep during. It was boring, wow. but I didn't fall asleep. I fell asleep during District 9. I kind of felt like, I don't know, the, the effects were good, and the, the, they did a great job of building that world, but for some reason, it just didn't grab me. because the camera was shaking too much. I can't, and you know what, that, that didn't bother me in the least. It wasn't that. It was just, I, I don't know, missing a little bit of soul or something to it. And maybe the, the, the actor who played the main guy wasn't that charismatic. Yeah, maybe, maybe. So that might have had something to do with it. The, yeah, but you're the, not very charismatic. The aliens eat a dick. The the, <laughs> <laughs> the special effects were great. I loved the alien weaponry when they blew somebody up. Yeah. You know, the spoiler alert. So at the end, the mercenary guy keeps coming back. And it was like mm -hmm. Osama. I was like, why aren't they? That guy's not fucking dead yet. <laughs> Someone please put a Predator missile on that guy. Exactly. It was just pissing me off. It wasn't like the Terminator where you're thrilled because the battle just keeps coming back. It wasn't like that at all. It was just like, fucking stop, move on. So, anyway, I don't know. And then I saw something uh, totally different, 500 Days of Summer. Have you seen that? Yeah, I saw 500 Days of Summer. That was a charming little film. That was. I liked that movie. That was the first movie with, uh, what's her name? What's the actress's name? Zoe uh, Deschanel. Yeah, her. Is she supposed to be hot? Because she, she's not. I uh, Yeah, I don't know that she's hot. I mean, yeah, but is she supposed to be? Maybe... Because she didn't really do it for me in her character. I think she's was hot for people. Ugly. She's hot for people who like movies like Garden State. Okay, <laughs> which I, I thought was a piece of shit. But um, this one, I, I thought it was super well crafted. Not every movie can jump back and forth in time like that with such facility. Yeah, it did it very, very, smoothly. very good job. And it all, but it wasn't. You weren't confused at all. The way they did it with the art, it was really well done. Uh, I was thrown off by the Jerry Maguire moment when he stands up and he gives his big monologue speech and decides to change his life. I thought that yeah. was kind of hackneyed and horseshit for a movie that up to that point had been pretty original. But I have to say, I really, I, I found it a charming film and I enjoyed it. Yeah, I did too. Wow, look at us. We agreed on something. Holy shit. We agreed on something that's that's kind of cutesy and not like spray painted with skulls all over it. Right? That's crazy. And then I saw, you know, Benjamin Button, which pissed me off. But in order to basically hose the sludge of that film out of my head, I watched Troma's War. <laughs> I don't know this Troma's War. Okay, so Troma, you know Troma. I mean, I know I've the reviewed trauma. a couple of films. Uh, this is a film that came out in 1988, right after Class of Newcomb High. And uh, they've just re-released it on DVD in their Troma Retro Edition. They sent me a copy. And, and so basically, uh, it was directed by Michael Hurd. It was written by Lloyd Kaufman. So it's the Troma's crew. And it was basically their take, uh, kind of a spoof or uh, a satire, uh, basically uh, lampooning Reagan's attempt to glamorize war in the 80s. And so, you know, it starts with this plane that crash lands on an island. 
and the the people get out and they're all walks of life most part terrible actors and <laughs> a bunch of bad actors crashes on an island right and, and so they they happen to land on an island that's filled with like this terrorist training camp that is wanting to attack the united states and so the the terrorists find the the survivors the survivors fight back mayhem ensues in total trauma fashion so bad acting gruesome special effects over the top lots of boobs all right and you know it's cheesy and it's trauma it's what you would expect when you hear the title trauma's war but it was kind of fun in spite of itself um actually it's funny because julie was sitting next to me and she goes like are you really gonna watch this can you watch this in the other room and like 15 (laughs) minutes later she's sitting there laughing Wow, that is good. So it kind of won her over. It's especially if you're a fan of trauma, check it out. If you're not a fan of you know kind of low budget stuff that's schlocky, I'd say give it a pass. It's not for everyone, but I, I did have a good time watching it. It was better than fucking Benjamin Button. So you know, not more saying doing. much. And uh, finally, the other kind of couple of things uh, I picked up Simpsons this 20th season on Blu-ray. That was released last week. So this is the first DVD season of of The Simpsons that's been released on Blu-ray. Every other season, they come out, it's like four discs, and it has commentaries on every episode and uh, uh, introduction from Matt Groening and, you know, uh, alternate scenes on, uh, you know, uh, what do you call them? Like storyboarded alternate scenes and stuff like that. This is totally just the episodes themselves. No extras at all for the same price. Fucking bullshit. Oh, they're going to come out with a special collector's edition you're going to have to buy to get Total all the other stuff. Total rip-off. I'm so disappointed and I'm so pissed that I didn't keep an eye out for the reviews before. So, you know, shame on me. I'll be watching. If you haven't bought it yet and you have been collecting The Simpsons Seasons, don't buy this. Thing. It's fucking disappointment. It looks great. The interesting thing is there, it's two discs. Only half of it is uh, 1080 HD. Evidently, the first half of the season was like 480 up converted to 720. Huh. So the, the, the first ones are like the small letterbox, but the second disc is all the full letterbox HD. And it looks fantastic. And the episodes are still funny. There's an episode there that uh, skewers the the, Apple, the iPod. It's like something about the Mapple. Oh, yeah. I saw that one. That was a funny episode. It nailed Apple at every turn, but funny stuff. So Yeah, and that was all in like the first five minutes of that episode. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's not... Probably as good as the classic seasons, like seasons five, season six, but it's still a pretty decent season, and I've enjoyed the episodes themselves. It's just the extras are bullshit, so don't bother. And then I picked up Weezer's latest, Ratitude. I'm kind of a sucker for Weezer. Yeah. <laughs> but this is an odd little disc. Um, it's like the, the songs are created Frankenstein si- style out of little bits of pop tunes that Rivers Cuomo had like in his songbook. And so they're all kind of just a little disjointed, and there's something that's a little bit off about them. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, you know, they're they're catchy enough. The best song is a song called I'm Your Daddy, which the the title alone is cheeseball enough that you're kind of, huh? And it throws things off, but it's got the catchiest hook. The best uh, pop to, pure pop tune on the whole thing is a song called I Don't Want to Let You Go, which is like the quietest little tune on the record. But it's the best, most realized, sing-in-your-head song of the bunch. But I, I wouldn't recommend it overall. It, it's not, you know, you listen to the Blue Album, and it's so much better than this, it makes you cry. Yeah. Oh, you know what? You know what I I do have to recommend? I don't know why the show isn't getting more press. Is Archer. Yeah, you were talking about that. I haven't seen that yet. 
Episode three comes out tomorrow. By the time this podcast hit, it, it will already be out. So what channel? Episode is it on? four. I mean, I laughed so hard at episode three. I laughed more at that than I did at the last few Family Guys. I can I can remember. Archer is really funny. So like Venture Brothers or what? No, it's well, you know, it's more like Frisky Dingo, which I know you hated. Yeah, that's that show sucked balls. But. It, but and I thought that show was really funny. I don't understand why you didn't like that show. The animation is is kind of the same. It's that same sort of stilted, blocky, um, jerky animation. Like it's supposed to look cheap. And I'm not a fan of that. But it's just really, really funny. Yeah, I I think you should give this show a chance. What channel is it on? It's not on Family Swim, is it? No, no, it's not on Adult Swim. It's on like uh, FX, Swim. I think. Well, yeah, I'll, I'll set the TV for it. Yeah, check it. It's. It makes me laugh. And you know what else? What's that? It actually makes my wife laugh. We, we sat down and watched a couple episodes together, and she's she's like, I like this show. This is funny. Well, cool. All right. And she's usually got much better taste than I do, so <laughs> saying something. All right. So how about some filthy jokes? Let's, let's do some filthy jokes and wrap this beast up. All right. You want me to go first, or are you going to roll? I'll start this thing. Okay. So this woman goes to the doctor. It's absolutely gorgeous woman. And she's doctor says, uh, what's the trouble? She goes, I... I think I'm losing my mind. I can't remember anything after five minutes. And the doctor looked at her and he goes, hmm, you're just going to need to take off all your clothes and lay down. No, nothing. (laughs) I was still writing for the joke. (laughs) I thought that was just the setup. (laughs) No, I was just going for the quick hit. Not the shaggy dog story. Yeah, I, I got the, I, yeah, I got where you're going, but uh, yeah, I was expecting, you know, a little more. All right, go ahead. Like your wife. <laughs> she expects a lot more. So Mrs. Chester's husband, you know, they've been married a long time, and things just aren't quite as spicy in the bedroom as they used to be. So Mrs. Chester decides that she's going to fire things up. So she goes down to the local lingerie shop and she buys, she looks around at all the different things they've got, the rubber bras, the (laughs) G-strings, and she decides to go with the crotchless panties. So that night, her husband comes home from work and she hears the door close. She's up in the bedroom and she she arrays herself sexy, all sexy-like on the bed. And she says, oh, honey, come upstairs. I have a surprise for you. So her husband comes upstairs, and when he opens the door, he sees her lying there on the bed in just her bra and the panties. And she says, honey, would you like some of this? And he says, God, no. Did you see what that thing did to your panties? <laughs> nice, but I, I can see that coming a mile away. You know, Julie laughed a lot harder at that joke. Yeah, but she was looking at your penis. <laughs> All right, so the usual bullshit. So! <laughs> I never go there anymore. Thank you uh, to Warp Eleven. You guys kick so much ass. It's almost ass was unconscionable. And Troma, thanks for uh, sending us a copy of Troma's War. Our show phone number, 206-203-3115. It's been very quiet lately, folks. We're so scared. It's so quiet. There's almost, no one out there. Almost too quiet. Come on. Call a motherfucker, would you? Uh, or you can email us, steve at bonehand.com. Uh, new content on bonehand.com every Sunday. And every Thursday, unless I don't feel like it, you see a new cartoon on MightyWombat.com and DavisLifeMagazine.com. Once a month, there is a humorous column written by yours truly. You're due, aren't you? They've got the December issue posted still. Yeah, they're screwing around. I don't know. They did the they did like that best of, or they just reran a column. And I'm almost. It's almost time for my next one. I need to finish writing it. I'm not sure. 
what the hell's going on? But my next column is going to be funny. It's it's talking about, I don't know what's. I'm going to talk about my kid's bike getting stolen. I may talk about my jury duty. It's sort of a crime and punishment theme. Cool. All right. And you can follow me on Twitter. I am Bonehand over there. And, uh, you know, it's finally going to happen. I think you can start following me on Twitter as well. Mighty underscore Wombat. Cool. Are you going to post when your new tunes are up and whatnot over there? Yeah, I'm gonna, new tunes, new column. If nothing else, you'll, you'll be alerted when the new tune and new column are coming out. And, uh, you know, who knows? I might even start talking about the horrific pizza burn I got on my lip uh, <laughs> or, you know, other fascinating things that you've, you've got to be tweeted about. Awesome. Also, you can join our forum, the Bone Bat Forum, and uh, that's pretty quiet, too. <laughs> also, <laughs> if you like what we do, uh, please give us a review on iTunes, vote for us on Podcast Alley, or even better, tell a friend about us. Got anything else? I got nothing. All right. Well, let's close out then with a little more Warp 11. This is I Don't Want to Go to Heaven As Long As There Are Vulcans in Hell. This is Steve. And this is Gord. Have a good one.
right now. Yeah, Excellent. Kiki's naked, and I'm just wearing a Star Trek bolo tie that I got the other uh, Christmas. So. <laughs> yeah, well, you're going to need to remove that before we start podcasting.